0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last
1: week. Oh, showtime!
0: Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha in caverns deep below the metro area. It's our pleasure to welcome you. To episode 717 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast I'm your head number one My name is Matt Baum I have said that 717 times At least That's crazy
1: Uh, I mean, I think that might actually be true Yeah I have not been the internet's Joe Patrick for 717
0: No, 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 you became that later
1: Yeah, I adopted it uh, Though we have done this more than 717 times So maybe, maybe I am there as I just said, I'm the Internetist Joe Patrick, your head number two for the evening. In this episode, we're reviewing new comics from the last two New Comic Book Wednesdays. After that, we'll set you up with our must-read New Comic Picks for next week and finally
0: we'll give you a sampling of our patreon extra when you support THN for as little as one dollar a month you get access to segments like this week's this is your life the power girl edition where we break down everything you need to know about a character's past just in time for their new status quo but now And I mean everything. Bust out your boob window top because it's review time in the Ziggurat! On our new comic review
1: show, we review six comics from last week and this week. And of course, each will be forever shamed or celebrated with our borderline worthless three-point rating scale. I mean, they're not points, but buy it, skim it, or leave it which has so many caveats, it's probably worth revisiting after 13 damn years. <laughs> just because you've got your strong skimmits, your weak skimmits, right. your very low skimmits, Yeah,
0: your absolute leave you know, things like there that. There are
1: degrees, or there are degrees, we're right. saying. This time, our new comics pile features Jon Stewart going Rambo, The Flash showing off his pearly whites, Predator versing Wolvie, Wonder Woman, Enemy of the State, and more. But it all starts with another twisted billionaire comic from the twisted mind of
0: Mark Russell. You know, that guy's got a niche, and I'm... I'm one of the guys' billionaire, so write what you know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. New comic book Wednesday, September 20th. We begin with Rumpus Room, number one from AWA. It's 32 pages. It's three ninety-nine. dollars It's written by one of the world's richest men. Let's not go crazy here. Mark Russell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Covered Fair. by Tony Harris. Art by Ramon Rosanas. Colors by Eves Forsina. Here's your solicit. Iser Award-winning writer Mark Russell, who worked on Not All Robots, returns to AWA with his latest dark satire. With art by Ramon Rosanas, who worked on Year Zero, Volume 1. Meet Bob Shrunk, technocrat billionaire, collector of bad art, and a victim of hideous skin conditions that can only be treated with a highly illicit and definitely not FDA-approved face cream that must be harvested from human beings. That's one way to put it. (laughs) They don't exactly harvest him in this, but you know, Bob isn't unfair though. He's happy to let his guests select who will be next to be sent from the rumpus room to their doom. There's just one thing Bob doesn't know. One of his current guests is an undercover cop and she's carrying a concealed gun. The smartest writer in comics is writing about billionaires again, but unlike his billionaire island comic, this one is definitely not a comedy. Rumpus Room is dark. In The Back Matter, Russell talks about writing the script during this past summer's heat wave in Phoenix, where he endured a month of above 110 degree temps, but the public seems to have just embraced it as the new normal, waiting for a billionaire to either change something or tell us it's too expensive for us to live. There's a very nihilistic message to the story, but in that same back matter, Russell swears there's a story of hope and resilience here too, and I trust him. And having a powerhouse artist like Rosanis on the comic certainly doesn't hurt at all. While the story is relatable and terrifying, the comic looks incredible, and I'm betting this one ends up on a lot of best of 2023 lists. Off to a great start. I'm giving this a buy Agreed, man. I thought it was. I thought it
1: was great. Uh, the art, just to start, is just phenomenal. Yeah. Ramon uh, Rosanis. Ramon wow, Kicks that guy All can the ass. He's really good. And uh, thanks a lot, AWA, for only listing him by his one
0: AWA credit. He's been around. And I mean, done a Marvel lot of stuff. does that crap all the time too. But, but
1: yeah, yeah uh, no, they would they would just put the Marvel stuff in on caps yeah. so that we would shout it. Fair enough. But that phenomenal looking. Great story, and yeah, I mean, look, man, yeah, maybe it's nihilistic and maybe there is no positive spin, but hey, guess what? The world is
0: doomed, so yeah. this doesn't feel far off, so
1: <laughs> right? It's like if you were to tell me that there's a billionaire out there right now that does something like this, like I don't mean like the you know, kind of weird sci fi, borderline sci fi stuff we see, but. If there was some guy with like super weird tastes where he's got a cage full of people. Yeah, I'd believe you. Oh, I'm sure
0: Elon's bathing in blood and semen right
1: now. (laughs) I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bat an eye. I would be like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, Uh, this is a buy it. Great stuff. Let's shift our focus away from billionaires turning people into skin cream and look towards demons that just want to turn people into food. Just <laughs> like God intended it. We got a theme here. Either way, we're cattle. It's Rare Flavors, number one. That's flavors with a U. Flavors. Flavors. From Boom Studios, it's written by Ram V with art by Philippe Andrade. Letters by And World Design. I said that as though or three different words. It's And World Design. It's 32 pages for 4 dollars and here's your solicit. Discover the tantalizing tale of Ruben Back. A demonic Rakshasa with a down to earth dream of becoming the next Anthony Bourdain. To achieve his vision, Ruben enlists Mo, a filmmaker who has seen better days, to document the world renowned cuisine of India and the people behind such glorious food. But little does Mo know that there's more to Ruben than meets the eye, and the mortals play a darker role in the show than they were prepared for. Entice your palate with the follow-up offering from the Eisner, Harvey, and Ringo Award-nominated team of Ram V, you know him, from Detective Comics and Blue and Green and Swamp Thing and all kinds of stuff, and Philippe Andrade, who has worked on Fantastic Four and Star in this series, painstakingly prepared for fans of Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts and Eat the Rich, Uh, what the solicit fails to mention that it is the follow-up offering from these guys who worked together previously on the many deaths of Layla star. True. And I believe it's Andrade. Uh, Andrade. Sure. Why not? I would not blame you if you forgot that Ruben was a demon while reading rare flavors. Number one, even though V and Andrade tell you within the first two pages that that's the case. That's because Ram V's script does such a fantastic job imbuing Ruben with very human motivations. Of course, that forgetfulness would be short-lived, as the story is punctuated with sharp reminders of the Rakshasa's true nature and his true appetites, but that subtle tinge of horror is contrasted by a deep and loving depiction of food and the stories. Of the people that have dedicated their lives to it, it's beautifully compelling, especially after being brought to life by Felipe Andrade's breathtaking, dreamlike artwork. Now, I missed the many deaths of Layla Starr. I just I missed it.
0: Oh, so good. But God, it was so good. I know.
1: And it's like it's on everybody's best of list for that year. I understand, I get it. But after reading Rare Flavors number one, I plan to remedy that. Immediately. This is one of the best single issues of the year so far. Without hesitation, it's a buy it.
0: Yeah, this team is outstanding. Ram V is the perfect weirdo to write a weirdo comic book like this. And I love, I love, love, love that they took the time to just like back away from the story and just talk about ingredients or talk about how- Right, you actually get a recipe. Right, how to drink tea, you know, and why it goes so well with this and how to handle- Like, it's just- beautiful because it shows like this demon's obsession right and he's mm-hmm. he's just a connoisseur like anyone else he happens to be a demon so his tastes they're a little different than anyone else right? like, don't don't ask
1: don't ask what's in the tikka masala yeah. the you know? art
0: is outstanding and it's just you're right it's very dreamlike and this comic book reading it took me back to a lot of 90s vertigo stuff that i love where there's this eerie sense, but not in-your-face horror. This is a horror story. Right, yeah, No question, but it's not forcing anything. It understands the plot. It understands timing. And the art is such, like, it's bright. It's beautiful. But it's also scary as hell. I loved this. Huge by it. I'm scared, Poncho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us it ain't no man for those of you looking for something a little less heady i present predator versus wolverine number one <laughs> from marvel it's 48 pages for 7 dollars written by ben percy is that right that is how they roll now though it's written by ben percy main cover by marco Ciccetto, with art by ken lashley and greg land inks by jay leaston and colors by frank d'armada and juan fernandez Letters by VCs. Corey Pettit. Here's your solicit. The thrill is the kill. The bloodthirsty saga you've been waiting for. Wolverine has lived one of the longest and most storied lives in Marvel Comics history. Now witness the untold greatest battles of Logan's life against a predator. One Yautja seeks the greatest prey in existence and finds it in Weapon X. From the blood-ridden snows of the Canadian wilderness to the sword-slinging streets of Madripoor, Wolverine and a predator break everything in their paths on their way to the ultimate victory or glorious death. Superstar writer Benjamin Percy brings the bloodiest hunters in all of pop culture to their knees. We all knew it was coming, and I think we can all agree Ben Percy, who's been in charge of all things Wolverine for a few years now, is probably the perfect writer for this violent machismo fest. It's a Predator versus comic, so you know what you're getting, but Percy makes it a fun ride that plays out in modern day with great gory art by Ken Lashley and a flashback by Greg Land. Yeah, I understand Land is a fundamentally talented artist, but his style does not work here at all. From his devastatingly handsome young Logan complete with K-pop frontman hairstyle, to his laugh-out-loud panels of a Predator riding a killer whale via Photoshop paste job, none of it just works. A story this gritty needs a gritty artist, and Lashley would have been a perfect choice. Thankfully... Andrea DeVito takes over on the flashback duties for issue two, featuring the Predators versus Team X. That is not a spoiler. It's on the cover. When all is said and done, this will probably be a fun romp through Wolvie's past as he fought Predators and just, you know, never mentioned it to anyone he knows. But Land's art doesn't work here, and it really took me out of what was otherwise about as good as this comic could probably be. I'm gonna give it a very high skim it. The art just took me the hell out, man. It didn't work. An an eight point seven <laughs> <laughs> Skim it is not an eight point seven. It's more like a six point five, maybe borderline seven. Oh, no, are you 5. kidding me? That is a
1: I don't know. About eight that. is
0: where it start. All right, <laughs> all right.
1: I guess we're not going off 8 of eight to ten uh, academic grades because a six sixty six is an F. Sure, it's an F plus. Um, sure. <laughs> I agree that it's a skimmet. It. I thought the story was good. Story's good. And I don't like I don't have any problems at all with the idea that like yeah, Wolverine has a
0: past and nobody knows about it because that's Wolverine's whole character. I mean, like he like, for- maybe he, he forgot all this. That's fair.
1: But it but he, it doesn't matter if he forgot it or not. Like even even since he got all of his memories back in House of M, like you think Wolverine tells everybody all the terrible shit he did? No. Well,
0: sure, but like Sabretooth uh, uh, didn't forget everything, and Sabertooth's in the next issue. Yeah, so. he seems
1: like a real sherry sort of guy, <laughs> Sabertooth. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time I fought the Yautja.
0: Oh, but if he was like, oh, there's something out there and it ain't no man, you know, like, that seems like it uh, might come up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Sabertooth, you ain't scared of the, no man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, 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 yeah, right. The art, uh the Ken Lashley stuff is great. The Andrea DeVito stuff is good, but also doesn't really fit. Yeah. I don't think the the story we're dealing with the great land stuff is bad it's like you know baseline level of whatever ability right it doesn't work at all no Uh, the idea of the i do i did like the montage of predator of that predator hunting the various um animals that you might find in and around the alaskan sure
0: it just would help if they're not clip art you know that look like. no i agree but like like
1: it's literally, it's like never occurred to me that like, it's never occurred to me that the predator would hunt a killer whale, but why wouldn't they, you know? Sure. And, and so I was like, oh, that's a fun idea. Uh, but yeah, it's bleh. We, they needed three, uh, like if you're going to do art, three different artists for three different time periods, they all need to be the same kind of like, not necessarily the same style,
0: but not so violently different. I Okay. I don't have a problem with them being violently different. But they need to be three different gritty artists telling a gritty, violent story. You sure, know? sure. And you can say yeah, like, well, yeah. this, you know, the old west was this kind of gritty, and uh, you know, the right, Vietnam yeah, right. was I, this kind of gritty. gritty you yeah, know? right. Exactly. Like a gritty old west, a story um, is
1: way different than a gritty like right, like you said, a war comic. You know, it's so but yeah. Logan yeah, was yeah. never I, I
0: gorgeous. Don't. Try and sell me that shit. <laughs> he
1: never Oh uh, Yeah, Wolverine.
0: Okay? <laughs> uh, oh God, he did. that does. He does look. Like he it. looks like he sings for One Direction. You know? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. And those kids are gorgeous. I'll tell you what.
1: They are. You know what? Hey, Harry Styles. Everybody loves. Him. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power lanterns light let's talk about another hero known for fighting monsters from space arguably the most p- popular of all of the green lanterns john stewart is that right in green lantern <laughs> the most popular yeah dude bigger than justice he- he- justice league and justice league unlimited that john stewart's face has been on fair enough Thousands of different children's products. Like, there's a whole generation of kids that know Jon Stewart and don't know anything about Hal. We're just worthless old men. It's true. The comic in question is Green Lantern War Journal Number 1 from D.C. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Montos. Colors here are by Adriano Lucas with letters by Dave Sharp. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Jon Stewart returns in an epic new series from the pages of Green Lantern. Jon Stewart's time as a Green Lantern has come to an end, or so he thinks. A family tragedy calls him back home, and as John begins to reclaim the career he once left behind, he tries to embrace a peaceful post-superhero life. But when a terrifying and contagious force with a mysterious connection to Oa appears on Earth, the last Green Lantern of another universe comes seeking the only warrior to face this threat and win, the immortal Guardian and Builder, John Stewart himself. Can this brilliant but brash young Lantern help John discover the qualities that made him one of the greatest Lanterns of the entire multiverse? Featuring the first appearance of an iconic and terrifying new villain. Stop it. Stop ending your dramatic solicits with that kind of shit. I know, right? (laughs) War Journal Number 1 picks up from the recent backup stories in the Hal Jordan title, with a retired Jon Stewart at home caring for his ailing mother. The Green Lantern Corps may have been co-opted by the bureaucracy of the United Planets and declared Earth off-limits, but it still isn't easy to leave that life behind. But, as Dr. Ian Malcolm once said...
0: Life... Uh, finds a way.
1: (laughs) Philip Kennedy Johnson does a phenomenal job balancing John's personal life with a life of cosmic conflict that won't let him go. Moments of heartbreaking emotion are the opposite side of the coin from kick-ass action sequences that show just how powerful John really is. Now, if you, like me, have missed huge chunks of Green Lantern comics in recent years you might not be fully up to speed with John's current situation, but our man PKJ tells you everything you need to know here. The art by Montos is excellent, swinging from clean and precise when showing John's architecturally minded ring constructs to dark and terrifying when the radiant dead break through from their own universe, all while remaining clear and expressive. Green Lantern War Journal number 1 provides a great new start to one of DC's brightest stars and a starring role for John Stewart that's long overdue. I'm giving this a buy it.
0: Yeah, this was excellent. And I was Very not, good. like I know we like PKJ, so I figured it'll be a good story. I wasn't ready for this. This was fantastic. It's a cool mission for John. They've got him doing something. It's not just a side story. He has a purpose here and He's a total badass. The whole thing where the the Greenlander shows up and and chains him up, and he's like, "I get it. You don't know the culture. You ever put a chain on me again?"
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) That that whole fight scene was so incredible. Where he
0: he basically like one punches him into orbit. I I loved it. And Montos, man. I want to give, first of all, you have to have a one, you know, one word name to have style like this. I think it's just a rule or whatever, but there's sure, so right, much yeah. style in this book. And I want to give DC huge props for doing this in a friggin' Green Lantern book. They could have grabbed anybody to do generic superhero and they did something that looks really unique and gives the book a really cool feel. I loved this. I'm giving this a huge buy. It was excellent. Let's stay in D.C. and talk about everybody's favorite princess, Wonder Woman. Number one. This is Legacy 801. We just had issue 800, but we got to start all over. Sorry. It's from D.C. Yeah. It's 40 pages, 499, written by Tom King, with art by Daniel Samper, colors by Tomu Morey, and letters by just plain old Clayton Cowles. Here is your solicit. The Amazon warrior is now a wanted outlaw. new era for the Amazon warrior begins from the superstar team of Tom King and Daniel Tampere. Woo. After a mysterious Amazonian. A lot of words all in caps. I know, right? After a mysterious Amazonian is accused of mass murder, Congress passes the Amazon Safety Act. Barring all Amazons from U.S. soil to carry out their plans, the government starts a task force. The Amazon Extradition Entity, or AX nice job, to remove those <laughs> who don't comply by any means necessary. Look, the government loves an acronym, okay? Oh, god damn, so do comics. Are you kidding me? Now, yeah. in her search for the truth behind the killing, Wonder Woman finds herself an outlaw in the world she once swore to protect. Writer Tom King, who worked on Batman, <laughs> Mr. Miracle, yay, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, awesome, and superstar artist in the making, Daniel Samper, who worked on Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, okay, and Action Comics, join forces for this action-packed relaunch and the beginning of what will undoubtedly become a groundbreaking run on the character. Slow down. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, you know, I'll have you know that my favorite princess is Tora, Olaf's daughter. Yeah, you can have her. She's all yours. Tom- Who is she? Name her. I, have- old Tora- I don't have the slightest clue. What are you? Ice. Okay. Tora Tora Ola Star. (laughs) All right. You could have said it was anybody. She's a princess. You could have said it was anyone. I'd be like, oh, shit, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Tom King makes his return to the regular DCU, and he's got massive plans for Wonder Woman and the Amazons. Every 10 years or so, DC likes to have the Amazons attack or the U.S. attack the Amazons. (laughs) But there's never been a particularly good reason until... Now, King's plot is plucked right from the headlines, basically, and reintroduces one villain, although I don't think he was always a villain, Sergeant Steele, and introduces a whole new one. No spoilers there, but both of them are fantastic. Sam art paired with Moray's colors keep the book a beautiful, bright superheroine affair, but it's Sam combat action that really stands out here. Even the talking head and narration panels look great. But when Wonder Woman starts kicking ass, this creative team shows that they have their pacing down to a science. I loved this first issue. And it seems to fit perfectly with Amanda Waller's plan that launched in the final pages of Night Terrors. We're sort of marching really well together in DC right now. I'm giving this a buy-it. The editor's are doing a kick-ass I mean, job with I mean, this whole rebirth thing. Dawn of DC. Oh, pardon me, this whole Dawn of DC thing. I mean, Matt, they
1: put out a map. They put out a roadmap. They put out remember. a map. Or,
0: or, or a timeline. But they've been putting out timelines for how long, Joe? And we've been going, but what but, happened uh, to that thing I the mean, timeline? this is a specific <laughs> Dawn of DC D- timeline. Uh,
1: Yeah, totally agree. I thought this was wonderful. And, you know, I, I'm critical of Tom King. Uh, he's written things that I've loved. He's written things that I've hated. Uh, this is great. It makes sense to me, right? That the kind of knee jerk reaction of the American people, or oh, at least perfect. the peep, or the corrupt regime, you know, gu- guiding America. Well, and you'd be like, like "We got
0: to protect America's men from these right, women." Re- yes, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it just
1: it felt a little bit. It felt a little too real. But, I know, you know. I love it. And uh, so, yeah Steel, I, man,
0: that character, he is just chewing up the scenery. He is yeah, fantastic. It's <laughs>
1: um, I liked that. It seemed. Every time they went back to the talking heads on the TV, the, you know, the, the counterpoint, uh, the, the, basically the CNN and the Fox news equivalents, right. That signified a time jump. Yeah. Where, and so like, if you weren't paying attention, you might be like, well, hold on. How did this all happen so fast? Well, it didn't happen fast. It happened over the course of many, many weeks, maybe even months. As far as we know, I, I loved the, that device that they used to, to indicate that. Sarge Steele is a character that has been depicted
0: as a... Mm. So, real quick, I took notes on this. Sergeant Steele, he was a Charlton character. He used to have yeah. a steel fist. Later, it became a functioning prosthetic. He's been a private eye, right, a right. detective. He worked for Checkmate. Now, he vanished after the original Crisis in Infinite Earths. But he's been back somewhere since then, right? Because Sarge Steele has been back before, but...
1: I would say like as as we've gotten closer and closer to today from his earlier up, earliest appearances um he's gotten more and more I don't know if corrupt is the word but surly. kind of I would say surly. <laughs> well like how Amanda Waller when they first debuted Amanda Waller she was like she's running Task Force X and she is a woman of integrity who wants to get the job done and now she's just like and now I want to murder the superhero right? So as time has gone on, Sarge Steel has been, has gotten more and more like a, uh, by whatever means necessary, kind sure, of like government sure. guy. And so, yeah, he's an asshole. Uh, this is fantastic. The art is great. I loved that we like went the whole issue before we even saw Wonder Woman. And when she makes her entrance, it's like the
0: coolest. God damn, it's good. Ugh. This is a huge buy. I, I really liked it. Great job, everybody. Yeah, it was like monster movie timing where it's like, you know, it's there. You know it's coming. You know that they're all about to see it. And then the monster shows up, and you're like, finally! (laughs) Like, yeah, 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 right. (laughs) For sure. 100%. A top-secret serum gave Steve Rogers superpowers. Now he can use them to save a city from a madman with a bomb. Finished. If he accepts the challenge. Be
1: Captain America, Steve. Straczynski returns from the long walk across America that he started 12 years ago with Superman. For Captain America number one. From Marvel Comics, it's written by, as I said, J. Michael Straczynski with art by Jesus Sayez, Colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Letters by V.C.'s Joe Caramagna. It's 40 pages for $5.99. Here's your solicit. What future awaits the man out of time? Decades ago, Steve Rogers changed the world forever. Now, powerful and insidious forces are assembling to ensure he never does it again. Past, present, and future collide as the man out of time reckons with an existential threat determined to set the world on a darker path at any cost. Esteemed creators J. Michael Straczynski from Thor and the Amazing Spider-Man and Jesus Sayes from Punisher and Doctor Strange embark on an exhilarating new journey for Captain America. It's been a couple years since the last Captain America number 1, so we were long overdue. Luckily, JMS and Jesus Sayez prove up to the challenge of presenting the latest relaunch. After a great opening action scene, Straczynski takes a lot of time establishing his new status quo for Steve, and it feels perfectly in line with his character. We also get a lot of insight into Steve's pre-serum past, showing that he was always the man of character and integrity that we know him to be, as well as giving him his first face-to-face encounter with the Nazi menace. The issue is brilliantly drawn by Sayez and Hollingsworth. This may be the best Cap has looked since the Rubaker-Epting years. It's gorgeous. I don't think
0: there's any argument.
1: One small nitpick. I don't know when they started drawing Cap with that hard, rigid collar ring thing around his neck. Or who came up with that shit, but I really hate it. I mean, it's a good
0: idea if you don't want to get your head cut off, I guess. I don't (laughs) like
1: it. Captain America number one is a slow burn for sure, but I could honestly read entire arcs of Steve in civilian clothes interacting with the people around him. And JMS and Sayez don't disappoint, given this a buy it.
0: Yes, I, I, I agree in the sense that it's like, we knew we were going to get a historical story here mixed with modern day. I really, nobody look, JMS, he's a screenwriter. He knows what he's doing. He knows his pacing. He knows how to pull something like this off. Saez is perfect for this kind of story. I mean, like he does certain things really well, and like he shouldn't, he probably shouldn't be drawing the predator versus Wolverine book. He's perfect to draw something like this. He was really good drawing that yeah. Punisher book though. That was also really violent. You know, I, I loved it and it looked fantastic. So maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Maybe I need to take that back. But
1: you're right though. You're absolutely right. Like there's an art there. Like there is the right artist for every project. Right. And And he can bring this great
0: for this, this sort of joyful, historic World War II, Steve, modern day, Steve, timeless, saving everybody in his apartment building and stuff. You know, pissing everybody off. that Fighting a read. giant robot dog. Yeah, fighting a giant robot with, dog. With a motorcycle. Pissing off all the jerks that don't want to read Social Justice Warrior Steve, even though he is by definition a social fucking justice warrior, so shut up. <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is just great. the The only thing that worries me, and it's just, it's a little worry. It's a little tiny one, but I can't say it's not there this kind of bad guy thing that jms is introducing that appears to be a whole new thing and i just don't want it to you know be a whole prophecy of something that's been affecting yeah Steve's family well for years he does years have years a history
1: of, of things like that yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like i'm a little worried everything else is yeah. great i'm giving it a buy it i really liked it but i will say when we got to that point i went <laughs> like, we'll see. We'll see. You know. We'll see. we'll see. We'll see. Like, yeah. Absolutely. New comic book Wednesday, September twenty-seven. We begin this week's comics with a scary story, stuff of nightmares. Red Murder, number one from Boom Studios. It's forty-six pages for seven ninety-nine. Written by R.L. Stein. Main cover by Francesco Francavilla, and it's a beautiful cover. Art by Adam Gorham. Colors by Francesco Sagala. Points for getting two Francescos on this book. And yes. letters by Jim Campbell. Here that's, is, why, that's why it's $7.99. That could You be. gotta pay for that extra Francesco. Yeah, these Francescos, they don't do no church work, man. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Comic creator Alex Oaxaca. That's what I'm going with. Has been out of the spotlight for decades, and he'll wish he'd remained in obscurity soon enough. Dot, dot, dot. Red Murder was the smash hit title of the early 2000s, and will come back from the past in more ways than one during the 20th anniversary celebration of the title. A real axe murder, eerily parallel to the hatchet wielding killer in the comic, starts chopping down equally real victims. It's not eerily parallel, like it isn't parallel at all. It's literally the (laughs) exact same. (laughs) (laughs) Prolific author of legendary terror, R.L. Stein, is joined by artist Adam Gorham, who worked on Dune, Blood of the Sardukar and The Blue Flame for a nightmarish, self-contained chapter of the best-selling Stuff of Nightmares that readers new and old would kill for. I was too old for Goosebumps when it was scaring YA crowds, but Stein's recent horror comic output has been a love letter to the classic EC slasher comics of the 60s that horror nerds of any age can certainly appreciate. Stuff of Nightmares comes complete with a spooky, pun-flinging narrator, the Nightmare Keeper, who weaves another short horror story with more plot twists than might be needed, and by the end, the reveal is a little hard to swallow. <laughs> Gorham's art is excellent, though, and he seems to change styles three times in this 46-page story. His scribbled style lends itself really well to each part of the story, and the opening scene with The Flash meets Vampiric Serial Killer origin is pretty great. It's cheesy, but it's fun. If you're a fan of classic tales from the crypt of horror and you don't think too hard about the story here, you'll feel right at home, but... With a 7.99 price tag, I have to wonder how well this book will sell, even with Stein's name on the cover. And I didn't buy the end, I gotta say. <laughs> Given this is Skim It, it's pretty goddamn expensive for what it is. I didn't like it. I, know. I didn't like it? You were crying about uh, it in your text. I didn't understand why, like, you said more than I didn't like it. You said it was terrible for your work. I said it was horrible, yeah. I didn't think I, it was terrible. I didn't think it was great. Uh, I didn't think it was
1: terrible. I think, I, I don't know, man, I... I like the Crypt Keeper thing. I like the Nightmare Keeper. I think that that's fun. Sure. I love that he's like, ah, yes, it's all a comic book and I'm going to bag and board this comic book. Ooh, you know, it's cute. The story makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. There were too many twists. And it jumps through so many logical, like, it makes so many logical blunders that there's no way any rational
0: person would be like, yeah. That story tracks, man. There's also a good way that like without spoiling anything, but like the killer could do a lot of what they were doing. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. And I also don't buy that. If a guy with an ax, a small hand, a hatchet, wanders into a room full of people that include armed guards, he's not going to be able to kill Anyone, but say, <laughs> Lovey. Here we are. Uh, This is a leave it for me. I I didn't even think the art was that great, and I normally like Adam Gorham. I just I thought it was messy. I thought it was I pretty thought, good, really. Okay. I, I I think that the story takes advantage of the fact that the art is very loose and um not poorly defined, but not super detailed, right? And so when it makes those twists, you can be like, well, how did I? Like, you're not asking yourself, well, how did I not know? Because it looks exactly the same as... Sure. Right? Sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. This didn't work for me. I'm giving it a leave it. I'm sorry.
0: That's fine. That's fine. I don't think R.L.
1: Stein's... Uh, I don't
0: know.
1: I don't know. I gave the I last, last stuff
0: of Nightmare stuff we read a buy it. Which, I, thought, I don't want to piss off our
1: funny. the huge R.L. Stein fan base yeah. we've got in the Ziggurat. The
0: contingent we have in the Discord, especially. They're very yeah. vocal.
1: <laughs> but I, I thought that the writing in this was pretty bad. So. You're in for a scare. <laughs> well, the moment I have been... Kind of Dreading is finally here. It's The Flash number one from DC Comics. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know what?
0: We're, we're going to get into it. No one is ready for The Flash number one. I think it's fair to say. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's accurate. It's written by Cy Spurrier with art by Mike Diodato Jr. Colors by Trish Mulvahill, and letters by Hassan Altsmane al Hau. It's 40 pages for four ninety nine, and here's your solicit. Wally West races toward the future with All-Star new creative team, Si Spurrier and Mike Diodato Jr. Wally West has never been quicker, more fulfilled, more heroic. His loving family is around him, and yet something is off. Very off. His evolving understanding of his powers has opened Wally to new avenues of sci-fi adventure and attuned his senses to strange new ideas. Something whispers from the dark vibrations beyond the Speed Force. And as Wally experiments with creative new approaches to his powers, he encounters new realms, mysterious allies, and mind-shattering terrors. A new era for the Scarlet Speedster begins now from the team of Psy You know him from CODA and Damn Them All. And Six-Gun Gorilla, THN favorite. Yeah, hell yeah. And Mike Diodato Jr. from Avengers amongst many other things. If you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know that I am a huge fan of The Flash, specifically Wally West. I bought Mark Wade's first issue off the rack in 1992 and never looked back. But being a Wally fan hasn't always been easy, as DC has spent the better part of 15 years putting him through the absolute goddamn ringer. After a period of renaissance under writer Jeremy Adams, Wally is once again in the hands of a new creative team, and I've been pretty nervous about their debut since it was announced. After multiple read-throughs and sleeping on it, I am ready to declare this first issue is mostly a success. Seisberger is a writer known for weird, heady stories, and that holds true here. He continues the strong focus on the family aspect of the character, but puts a whole new spin. On the presentation, each character is narrated in the way their thoughts might appear. And it'll make sense when you look at it, but Max Mercury's read-like old movie serial narration. Right. Former former journalist Linda West are like a news article. Young irises are scrawled on notebook paper because she's a kid, you know, in, in junior high or whatever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, credit to Hassan for the lettering on
0: that, by the way. Oh, yeah. Let her the hell out of this. Wow.
1: Spurrier also touches on the drama present in the lives of a young family and how small misunderstandings can lead to building tension. Uh, That scene in particular is beautifully illustrated by Mike Diodato Jr. And I don't really want to spoil it because there's some stuff about Wally and Linda's relationship. Do not spoil that scene. But the way he depicts how Linda is feeling, I thought I thought was very powerful. Yes. Diodato delivers some very strong work in this issue in general. His layouts are incredible. A shifting kaleidoscope of panels within panels. I was worried that his normally stiff figures would be a poor fit for the Flash, but some goofy poses notwithstanding. He does a great job conveying the movement of the speedsters. I have no complaints there. However, his actual figure drawing can still get a little weird sometimes. And I definitely noticed him leaning on that copy paste function if the scenes got a little too busy. Oh, yeah. I want you to look real close at the gorillas in this comic. You'll find that there are maybe three different gorillas. I'm going to say two. (laughs) Multiplied multiple (laughs) times. (laughs) Trish Mulvihill's work is a great fit here. Her colors explode off the page. While I'm still kind of apprehensive about some things, The Flash number 1 turns the sci-fi elements baked into the premise up to 11. 11, is putting it lightly. And delivers plenty of compelling emotional moments and exciting action. I'm going to give this a buy it.
0: Man, this book, so just like we talked about with Green Lantern, this book is pure style. Like, Cy or Cy spurrier Cy all over it, and then he handed it to Diodato, and Diodato just rubbed Diodato all over it, and it Gross. came out like, it's wild, man. This book is wild. And it, I gotta say, at first, I was like, I don't think I like this. And then halfway through, I went, you know what? Yeah, this make this is the Flash. It's spastic. It is crazy, and it looks spastic and it looks crazy because it, it's like the comic is moving at light speed as well. And by the end, I was in. I I was completely in, and I have to see where it's going. And I was a little shocked at how kind of like gross some of it was, to be perfectly honest. It it's. Uh, th- science fiction
1: has always been kind of a huge part of the flash and they kind of get away from it sometimes and so to take it into kind of like a sci-fi horror direction yeah is a
0: no is a no brainer really but also like an interesting place that we've never really seen the flash go we've seen him deal with very evil characters never really gone there but not like this And, and and i like that this is all very speed force focused and obviously we're going to find out this dark side of the speed force i'm into it i'm giving it a buy it It was very Diodato. I don't always love him, but I I see him working here and he's doing something that looks very cool. I'm giving this a break.
1: Diodato might be the most talented artist that I have the most reservations about because he's clearly enormously talented. He's a genius. Look at this book. No question. No question. But, like, also the way he draws some things, where it's like, why is that character so bulky?
0: Yeah. Why is his face? Why is his face? Why are you literally cutting and pasting this shit? You know, like, that's there's a lot of copy paste. Yeah. Let's move to the two heterosexual men talking about gay comics portion of the show for Sainted Love, number one from Vault 48 pages, 499. This is is written- that a specific segment? Yes. Did I- it is now. Sleep- Did I miss that in the plan? This D? is written by Steve Orlando with art by Geopata and letters, by- which sounds like something you say when they light the cheese on fire at the Greek restaurant. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Geopata! Right. Letters by Simon Boland and And World. Here's your solicit. New York City, 1907. Malcolm Arena is the greatest inventor the world's never heard of, and his lover, John Wolfe, is the toughest bare-knuckle boxer in the city. Arena's crowning invention, the Chrono Corridor, is nearly complete. His dreams of whisking himself and Wolfe away to a time where they can live and love freely. But when a crazed detective felt raids Arena's lab, the couple dive into the freshly powered-up portal to escape capture. Steve Orlando... Eisner plus Glad nominated writer of Scarlet Witch, Spider-Man 2099, and Wonder Woman, and Geopena, artist and creator of beloved webcomic Mother C, hurl you across time with Arena and Wolf as they encounter famous queer people throughout history and fight back against all who would see their names and love erased. The cover of Seen in Love lets the reader know they are in for a gay love story, but it did not prepare me for the full-on gay porn. No big deal. Not
1: full on. Let's back it up. It's not, it's NC-17,
0: not X. Fair, but arguably explicit. No big deal. I am not a prude. But even if this were straight love story with this much straight sex, I would have mentioned the porn, (laughs) but whatever. It's an unabashedly gay love story with a time traveling twist, adorably illustrated by Geopada with comedic manga informed style. Orlando does a really nice job with his characters here, and he's telling a big gay sci-fi love story, the kind that kind of dares straight people to keep reading. I thought it was pretty ballsy, and even the gay sex waka waka. All right, easy. (laughs) Even the gay sex doesn't come off as smutty, but more a realistic look at closeted homosexual life in a time where gay men had to hide from society, and when they did have a place that they could cut loose. They went to town on each other. Sainted Love is a uniquely queer story that isn't afraid to show what gay love looks like and probably doesn't give a shit what angry straight people are going to think about it. I'm giving this a buy it. Now,
1: all right, I'm conflicted about my rating because I did like this very much. I thought it was very well told. I loved the art. But is this the comic that you can just say, yeah, buy it? Or is it something that deserves a skim it just based on the content? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I, I think that it straddles that line. And, uh, but I think that this is a great story. I love the premise. And yeah, I mean, it's explicit or I- as close to explicit as you can get. Sure. You know, whatever. It is what it is. I, and I, it didn't bother me as a straight guy. I know plenty of straight women that read smutty romance novels about gay dudes. So, look, man, it's it's just one of those things. It, you're, if you're into the story, there's no reason why you wouldn't enjoy this.
0: Why, why are you sweating and shaking, Joe Patrick? Is, is there anything you want Shut to else? Shut up. Stop it. Some of, my best, some of my best friends
1: are gay. <laughs> it didn't bother me! Oh, I was fine with it! <laughs> I've had sex with way too many dudes to be homophobic. No. Uh, it's just, it's a really well-told story that happens to feature a lot of very strong sexual content and that's going to be something you have to decide for yourself if you're into i think for me it's a buy it it might be a skim it for you your mileage may vary yeah but well, it's our yeah. show
0: so we get to rate it screw you guys
1: i get it i'm just saying like it is something like you said earlier it's something that you have to point out when you're talking about it to people you can't just say you need to read this it's
0: such a great love story ah just kiss a boy you'll get over it There's a scene where a guy puts his finger in another guy's butthole. Would you say that if it was a straight love story? If a guy put his finger in a girl's butthole? Of course I would. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough.
1: Like, if you're going to hand any comic to somebody on the basis of of the story, of the premise, and the writing, and the characters, you've got to say, hey, oh, and by the way, it's explicit. Like, you have to. Sure, sure. Because it changes how you approach it, right? So, but this is great. It's really good.
0: to get our fingers out of our buttholes and see what happens when Tony Stark gets married
1: <laughs> just leave that in there man I can't do better than that it's <laughs> Invincible
0: Iron Man number 10 from Marvel
1: Comics it's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Juan friggeri Frigieri yes Got colors it. by Brian Valenza letters by VCs Joe Caramagna for those of you keeping score that's two for two VCs Joe Caramagna on my Marvel books it's forty pages for four ninety nine. Here is your solicit. You are cordially invited to the wedding of Anthony Edward Stark and Emma Grace Frost. Grace, really? Come join the lucky couple as they exchange vows. Attire is Hellfire formal. Orcus raid to follow. <laughs> I like that. It's Very cute. clever it's cute. and succinct. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it will come as a total surprise to everyone that the marriage of Tony Stark to Emma Frost is total bullshit. (laughs) It's a ruse concocted in order to allow them to gain resources and intel for their fight against Orcus. But that doesn't keep Duggan and Frugary from honoring the tradition of superhero weddings in their own way. Plus, the creators deliver lots of awesome moments like Tony leveraging his new alliance with the Kingpin to protect Rhodey, that scene... In the prison yard.
0: That was great, right? That uh, was great. That is so
1: good. <laughs> when, that, when that thing happened, and I know that you know what I'm talking about, I was like, yes! <laughs> I was so excited. And there's also a great tense back and forth between Stark and evil industrialist Fae Fregari's art is great, and Tony's new stealth armor looks super cool. Immortal Iron Man number 12 presents a way different spin on the superhero wedding trope, but I'm still a sucker for them. Sham or not. I'm giving this a buy it.
0: Yeah. Love me. Any superhero wedding, I'm in. You know, we always, you know, what's going to go down. And this one does a nice twist on it as well. I mean, Yeah, it's it, way different. It, it really is. And I think Duggan came into this and said, all right, I'm not doing the traditional superhero wedding. This is going to be wacky. It's going to be Iron Man style. The art is fantastic. We finally get a look at like, this stealth suit that's been appearing in the pages of Avengers for four months. now, <laughs> Like almost every, every other comic Iron Man has appeared in right? for the last few months. Like nice of you to catch up guys. No, this is a buy it. I think Duggan's having a good time here. And I like that they're tying Iron Man into the Orca stuff that's going on in X-Men. It makes sense that Tony Stark would be doing this. I do think. If a long is this genius that he is that for Tony just be like, yeah, I retired. I don't even care anymore. I'm not a good guy. I'm just Tony Stark. I'm a jerk in the Hellfire Club. Like, no one would be like, but are you really? <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, but he's like, he's also like pretending to drink so everybody thinks he I mean, fell I off the wagon. I guess, wall again, but he's you know, also like
0: still fighting gods in the pages of Avengers. So in this armor, I might add. So like it's happening but yeah, but, at the Matt, same time. It's, but it's stealth armor. I guess. All right, all right, all right. I'm giving it a buy it. It's a good time. Just don't think about it too hard. Well, sure. You got your boob window open? I do. My boobs are a little cold, to be honest. It's time for Power Girl, number one. I don't know how she does it. Well, she's Kryptonian. That's how she does it. But Right. Not that Kryptonian. You know what I mean. Well, they will know. They will know what you mean. At the end of the episode. (laughs) This is from DC. It's 32 pages. It's $3.99. It's written by Leah Williams. Cover by Gary Frank. Art by Eduardo Pansica, inks by Julio Ferriera, colors by Romulo Fiardo Jr., and letters by Becca Carey. Here is your solicit. Power Girl stars in her own epic ongoing series, pretty, punchy, and powerful, after the events of Night Terrors, a long, dormant Kryptonian threat has returned to take down Superman and his family. Who could possibly stop it? Well, according to the Man of Steel, it's Power Girl, witness a road trip race against time as Paige reconnects with her roots to save the world from her deadly past. Power Girl special writer, Leah Williams, who has never written anything else, returns with Eduardo Pansica, who has only ever worked on Supergirl for an ongoing series of epic proportions. We're, of course, kidding. They've worked on lots of things. DC is only mentioning these. So, right, for sure. While Power Girl seemed to sweat off her newly acquired telepathy, she is still holding on to her astral punch power that lets her punch holes in reality to effectively teleport to different areas. Totally different from what America Chavez does, who punches holes to different realities, Joe. so No, no, Power Girl can do that too. Oh, she can. Yeah, sorry, it's not different at all. I guess it's not different at all then. Her telepathic partner, Omen, is picking up the psychic duties and Williams does a great job making the two charming gal pals that share an angry super cat. The story is set up for PG's new mission and it definitely opens a can of worms and introduces a new villain that builds weapons that can hurt Kryptonians. It's got great hair too. Pansika's art is at times very solid, but there's other panels that look a little rushed, almost a little unfinished. He's not bad, but there's some very loose face work and a head scratching scene when PG instantly changes into her hero costume, complete with boots and jacket when she was wearing a dress and heels. (laughs) Not sure how that happened unless it teleports onto her, but I digress. I definitely like the personality of this first issue more than the recent one-shot, and it seems like Williams has a good hold on the characters. The astral-punching thing, whatever, maybe it's going to be used for something, but right now, kind of just comes off as a weird tacked-on power to separate it's a Paige plot device from Supergirl. I, I, I'm giving this a skimmit, but it's a it's a strong skimmit. This is a step up from the one-shot that I didn't care for at all. I agree. I thought that
1: this was a lot better. Yeah. And... I also agree that the art's got issues. Uh, I, in general, I think it's pretty good, but there's some weird anatomy and, and yeah. perspectives and it gets a little goofy. It's weird. She burns the dress with her heat vision. I didn't get that part. Yeah, for Whatever. reasons. I- but uh, this, is a, this is a strong skimmit. I liked it a lot better than the Power Girl special and the backup stories. This is the strongest Power Girl story from Leah Williams that I've read so far. The art's a little
0: goofy. The art got a little goofy. And if you're in disguise in a dress you don't want anyone to know who you are, maybe you don't turn into Power Girl in front of everybody and then burn your dress. It's not a real good disguise.
1: I, I don't, think,
0: I don't <laughs> think she literally did it in front of everybody, but yeah. sure seemed like
1: it. You know who's no stranger to identity crises? It's crises, right? Crises. It's Ms. Marvel. We're talking about Ms. Marvel, the new mutant number two. We did miss number one, so here we are. It's from Marvel Comics. It's written by Iman Valani and Sabir Perzada, With art by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. Colors by Eric Arseniega. Letters. We're going three for three. Joe Caramagna gets the hat trick for VC in this issue. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit courtesy of Marvel fandom, because Marvel never bothered to write one. True story. You can look it up. (laughs) Ms. Marvel's mission makes her a target for Orca's, but they have no idea they're looking for a completely normal teenage girl in their summer science program. Thankfully, Iron Man and Emma Frost are able to stop by and show Kamala how to fly under the radar. I was really worried about what would happen to Kamala Khan once she got swallowed up in all the current X-Men drama, but thanks in part to the writing efforts of the MCU's Ms. Marvel herself, Iman Vellani this new series retains the heart and humor fans have come to love. Don't get me wrong, it's all up in Krakoa's business here, dealing with a lot of heavy themes while caught in the war between Mutantkind and Orcus, but both the writing and the excellent art by Carlos Gomez with Adam Gorham on the dream sequences are incredibly charming and the unlikely new partnership between Kamala, Tony Stark, and Emma Frost is delightful. Making Kamala Khan a mutant was 1,000% a marketing stunt to bring her in line with the MCU. But Ms. Marvel, the new mutant number two, continues to prove that sometimes synergizing your paradigms can work out. I'm giving this a buy it. It's
0: very good. So we're two issues into this, and I am on board. I get it. She's a mutant now. Maybe we didn't have to kill her, but that's gone. It's past. We're over. I was a little shaken at first i think just because the tone of the other X books is such like it's so serious and so heavy and there's all this you know crazy shit going on and then miss marvel is a lot lighter in tone but still dealing with that x stuff and maybe that's on me because i haven't been reading miss marvel and i felt better about it by the end of issue two but the first two issues i was kind of like ah, i didn't quite get the whole feel i think they're landing it I think they're doing a good job, and I needed to get used to that tone. And it shouldn't be a hyper serious tone. That's not who this character is. So it makes sense. The art is very good. The Sara Pacelli cover is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous cover on this one. Given it You can
1: find links in our show notes for more details on these comics, but now it's time to pick which one had the best gay sex scene. Matthew, stop that.
0: That's not the kind of thing you need to put in the script we Well, make jokes about that. move over, Steve Orlando, because the best gay sex was definitely in Green Lantern War Journal number one. I'm sorry, they just did it better. I don't know what to tell you. Right. Let me ask the
1: question, <laughs> Matt, which one of these comics are you putting in the THN permanent collection? As if I don't already
0: know. It's Green Lantern War Journal number one. Uh, I just wasn't ready for this style, and I think DC is taking a ballsy stance here. Putting someone like Montos, who is not someone we think about when it comes to superheroes, superstar artist, amazing artist, right? So good, only needs one name. But like this book looks so damn good. And PKJ wrote the hell out of it. And this is the story that Jon Stewart deserves not necessarily a story where he's shunted into another dimension and gets weird powers and has to team up with weird other dimension green lanterns that we can and also maybe now there's two of him right and then we can promptly forget about that shit because it sucked you know (laughs) this is a great story for Jon Stewart and the book just looks so stylish I loved it it just took me by surprise best thing I read here it's a good book for sure. Uh, for me, though, it has to be Rare Flavors.
1: That that comic just took my breath away. Really. Sure. it it's such a fantastic story, beautifully told and illustrated, and it it's just so loving in its depiction of you know culture and and food and f- families and you know ambition and. Sometimes you, when you're reminded, it's like, oh yeah, it's about a demon that wants to turn people into, into meat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh man, knocked it out of the park. I loved it so much. Rare Flavors.
0: Before comics make it to your local shop, they exist. In a strange nebulous world Where all mere mortals can rely on His solicits and previews to get excited Unless, like us You've made a blood sacrifice to Brother Blood
1: Who just popped back up in the pages of Titans Yeah, they call him something else now though Yeah, feeling much
0: better It's bro blood though, come on Let's call it what it is We all know it Ed, he's giving you the skinny On what to pick up next week I'm not going to tell you how it knows But it involves a whole bunch of blood Joe, it's Sanctum Sanctorum time, where we unveil our must-read picks for next week. New Comic Book Wednesday, October 4th. What are you picking up? Well, it had to be Transformers number one from Image.
1: It's written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. It's 40 pages for 4 dollars This is the, uh, the continuation, we'll call it, of the Energon universe that started with Void Rivals. Let's all be serious here. It's called the Energon John Universe because of the freaking Transformers. We're not kidding yeah, anybody.
0: I didn't even pick up on that when Void Rivals number 1 came. Uh-huh, I sure, have right. no idea.
1: Uh Daniel Warren Johnson can't be beat. He's just a, a masterful writer, artist. Uh he's he does it all and kills it every time. He's he's top of his game and probably the best thing Kirkman could do is let this guy go and I love stand it. out of his way. I love. I can't it. wait
0: because it's can't like wait. It's cool that DC lets him do projects and we love him like the dinosaur JLA and shit. But like, look, that doesn't count. That's not really a thing. It's just fun. I love that Kirkman's like you're a crazy person and you have to do this. <laughs> like you're in charge. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it looks like it's gonna be the highest ordered comic book of the year. Well done, Daniel Warren Johnson well done the guy deserves it I mean, right he, he's done
1: so many projects that are certainly very much critically acclaimed yeah but it's all stuff like Dual Power Bomb or Murder Falcon or Bay right. Ray Bill it, 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 but now it's like congratulations you are the artist and writer of the highest selling comic book of the entire yeah. year good for you
0: man wrestling you deserve it you deserve it it's a wrestling thing, Sorry, thing right? I get it yeah. yeah sure it's awesome way to go my pick for next week goes to another little-known creator that hasn't gotten enough publicity lately, Jonathan Hickman, writer of Marvel's Gods. <laughs> With art by Valerio Schiti. these two are going to be redefining what the gods are in the Marvel universe. And when we talk about the gods, we're talking about the big ones. Your, yeah, not
1: not necessarily the the gods that you might think of, but like the cosmic embodiments. Right, your the, entropy, your, your... Your your eternities, your in-betweeners, right. your... Uh, your beyonders,
0: you know. you know, the gods. Sure. <laughs> the big heavyweights. And look, I'm on board, man. John the Hickman's going to give rules to these piece of crap characters. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm excited for the infographs. I want it all. Let's do it. Draw me some pictures, Jonathan Hickman, but there better be circles. Some should be shaded a little bit. Some should not be shaded all the way. All right. And, we'll and also there should some be, other, other smaller circles. Yeah, I don't want several appendices to explain what they are. Please and thank you.
1: The THN Trade of the Week for October 4th goes to DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus The Army of the Dead, Volume 1. There's only one volume. It's a hardcover slash softcover. It's both. Rather, there are two editions. Yes, <laughs> it's from DC. It's both a hardcover and a softcover. It's not two things. It's, no, <laughs> it's one hundred and sixty pages. The hardcover will set you back twenty four ninety nine. The softcover nineteen ninety nine. It's written by Bruce Campbell. Yes, that Bruce Campbell, with art by Eduardo Rizzo. Really, the whole thing? Wow. Yeah, I didn't read this at all. Covers are by Gary Frank. I do remember seeing the covers. Here's your solicit. Berlin, 1944. The Nazis are besieged on all fronts by the Allied forces. Defeat is inevitable, but Hitler and his team of evil scientists attempt a last-ditch effort that may turn the tide of the war and rewrite history itself. A serum that resurrects their dead soldiers, stronger than they were in life, and sends them back into the battlefield. Now, Sergeant Rock and Easy Company have been dispatched into enemy territory to face off against the strangest, most horrific
0: enemies they've ever encountered. Nazi zombies. We didn't really talk about this on the show. I just read issue one of this the other day and I went, I totally forgot this came out. I totally forgot Mm -hmm. it was a thing. I didn't even realize Bruce Campbell wrote it. I had no idea Eduardo Rizzo drew it. Otherwise, I would have been all over it. And you know what? The first issue was pretty goddamn good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm going to read this. Yeah, I would it way better than I thought it was just completely under the radar. DC, Hey, maybe advertise this a little bit.
1: People will pick it up. I mean, you know, DC Comics horror presented exactly two things. I know this and right? Soul Plumber. Come on. So I don't really think they were putting a lot of muscle behind this one.
0: grab your boomstick and head over to our discord and be sure to let us know what you are reading next week and check out our next new comic review show to hear us review these comics It'll be groovy
1: It's almost time to bag and board this episode, but before we go, here's a sneak peek of the amazing content you get access to when you support THN on Patreon, for as little as one dollar per month!
0: This is Your Life, a program for all nerds, and now your two-headed host, Joe and Matt. Thank you, Macho. You do good work here. Joe, it's been a minute, but we are back with another edition of This Is Your Life. And this time, we're surprising one beloved DC heroine, Power Girl. Turns out, she's had a wacky career. <laughs> she's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, why, Matt, why are we doing it? Well, Power Girl has a new series coming out this week. We're going to talk about it on the show. We weren't particularly thrilled about Power Girl One-Shot, but... Willing to give this one a chance And see where it goes We legit love the character So we thought for all the nerds out there Who don't know where she came from It's time for us to look into The beloved history And perfectly neat and tidy continuity Of Power Girl
1: (laughs) Yes, Power Girl, this is your life uh, another great name for this segment would be Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Blank But Were Afraid to Ask, because
0: that's just kind of how it is every time we do this. Pretty much.
1: Because why bother doing it for a character whose
0: uh, backstory is perfectly self-explanatory? Right. Or we could go for the BuzzFeed <laughs> name and call it Five Things You Didn't Know About Power Girl and Five You, you Did. You won't <laughs> believe
1: number seven. All right. Yeah. Power Girl's first appearance was in All Star Comics number fifty-eight from nineteen seventy-six. She was created by Jerry Conway, Rick Estrada, who was an artist uh, back in those days, and Wally Wood, artistic legend and uh, known pervert.
0: Is he, was <laughs> he was a horn dog. That guy was he a pervert? I mean, oh yeah, was a Wally, Wally
1: Wood, big time horn dog. Good
0: yeah. for him. Good for him. And Rick Estrada, I mean, brother of Eric Estrada.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. One hundred percent. Yep. All right, well, we're going to get into it, and I have um, organized these sections into chapters. So, chapter one, (laughs) original history. Power Girl was born, Kara Zor-El, 1L, on the planet Krypton in the original incarnation of the Earth-2 universe. She is, or was, the cousin of the Golden Age Superman. I guess that's the easiest way to kind of put it. Um, at when DC created the multiverse in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, in the pages of the Flash, they decided that all of the Golden Age characters that existed—Superman, Alan Scott, Jay Garrick, etc., cetera, etc.—right cetera, existed on a planet uh, in a universe called Earth Two, where um, it was like Still War Rule Two for them, you know, that kind of thing. Golden Age Superman is from Earth Two, right? She's his cousin, okay. Essentially, she's the same. Biologically uh, speaking, she's the same as Supergirl from Earth One, though um, when we met her,
0: uh, she was older. So her age and her personality are different. Okay, question. Is she a Supergirl? I mean, like a variant of Supergirl, I guess, for lack of a better term, but they just called her Power Girl? She is the Kara,
1: yes, she's okay. Supergirl, she's Supergirl from Earth 2. Okay. Except she went to, she decided to go by Power Girl so that her, she could differentiate herself. Right. Um, and, you know, that this will come up. You can uh, tell
0: her apart from the other Supergirl, because her boobs are way bigger. <laughs> right?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, she has, or had, all the same powers you would expect from a Kryptonian, super strength and vulnerability, flight, heat, vision, etc. Uh, Kara's father- Zorl 1L, sent her away from the doomed Krypton at the same time Jor-El sent Baby Cal, but her ship made the journey much more slowly, and she spent decades in suspended animation. 60 years, I mean, from, you know,
0: back in those days, so in the seventy, from the 30s to the 70s. Right, so. right. This kind of blows my mind. I didn't realize that she was full-on Supergirl. I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> and I've read Power Girl comics for, I don't know, 20 years now. I, I'm I not sure how you didn't know that. Uh, because okay. I
1: never went back and read any of this old
0: crap. I like never, you
1: read it, but you read Infinite Crisis, right? Like, we're going to get I into it. Mean, yeah. We're going to keep going. We're gonna keep going to get it. stop Okay, interrupting. okay, okay. We're going to keep going. During that time in suspended animation, she was given an education and life experience through a virtual reality simulation of Krypton. It had, like, friends and family. Sure. So, like, she lived a little, she wasn't, like, asleep the whole time, but she basically popped out of the rocket, fully formed, in her early 20s, when she finally arrived on Earth 2. She spent some time acclimating under the care of her cousin Clark and his wife Lois Lane before making her public debut as Power Girl. Excelsior!
0: That is it for THN 717. If you dig our new comic reviews, check out our YouTube channel, where you can subscribe to each show separately if you want. we got a back issue show. The Gang Hang is there. Or you can also listen to them as podcasts on YouTube Music. We had a whole tutorial for both Joe and Harvey this week. It was great. (laughs) Next week, the Cosmic Logbox returns, forcing us to review eight back issue comics based on a theme. And this time, it's demanding we present our Blue Beetle show we teased you with a couple weeks ago. We're not doing
1: the Blue Beetle show.
0: We're doing it, Joe Patrick, because we wrote them and you never posted it. I don't want it. (laughs) Too bad. So we'll be reading and discussing both Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes' adventures if you need more THN in the meantime. Join us for the gang gang I was just talking about. We're doing it on Saturdays at 11 o'clock Central. It's your show. You talk to us about whatever we want to get into. Check out our Discord for details. Joe Patrick, tell them what else they can do at our Discord.
1: You can get in on the action before we even air the show with our episode discussion thread. Get some hot tips on Southern Indian action cinema. Call your shot on the identity of Dr. Hate. Stephen Fino's theory is so much better than he Or totally maybe. Your ass. <laughs> oh, man. Or maybe you want to answer the question of the week. This week's question is courtesy of Harvey Locust. What comic book character do you find fascinating but just never got into? I'd extend that to like character or, you know, title, team. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But book, period. That's fine. What comic book concept have you always yeah. found fascinating but never really got into? Uh, Please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. Thanks to those of you that have suggested recently. There have been several of you. You can sign up for our Discord with the link at twoeditnerd.com slash Discord. You can post there about any of our segments on that server. Or if you want to talk about any of those segments, you can send an mp3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. And we'll put you on the
0: show. If you're new to the show and up till now you're shocked at the complete lack of gay porn, well, welcome aboard, and I assure you it's only because you just haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com, THN. Is a listener supported podcast. It wouldn't be possible without the generosity of donors like our newest patron, Mike Tisserand. If you like what you hear every week, like Mike Tisserand does, by the way, his last name sounds like something a bad guy uses to rewrite reality, right? <laughs> uh yeah, it sounds like a it sounds like a very sci-fi technological right? vibe If Dr. Claw gets his hands on the Tisserand, we're all doomed. <laughs> you know it, <laughs> It's, it's easy tis-a-rand. to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd and who knows, we might just make fun of your last name.
1: There you go. There you got there. Uh apologies to Mike, who by the way, is not only now a patron, but that dude drew some of the most phenomenal THN fan art. Back in the day, yeah. like seven years ago. Yeah, love that guy. And then hit he, he finally like resurfaced on
0: the Discord and now he gave me he's access to the, the original art. And then they discovered him and they fought yeah. him and he's right back to work. It's great. And
1: and though. now he's like, Yeah, here's the Photoshop file. It's Cut it up, chop it up, do whatever you want. <laughs> and you know, and now he also pays for the show. Like what a guy. What a guy. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to friend of the show and barbaric writer Michael Morisi who just announced on his Twitter, fuck you, X. <laughs> He'll be bringing Dick Tracy back to comics at Mad Cave Studios with the help of co-writer Alex Segura and artist Geraldo Borges. What a such a great looking cover he posted. Man, word to you, Michael. I can't wait. I love Dick
0: Tracy. Beefy looking, badass Dick Tracy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) wow. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre order your comics. See, your retailer might just pump you full of lead. This is a two headed nerd signing off.